Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Rick Benjamin. Thank you one and all for being here on a spring morning in December. Love the Bible, always have. Grew up on Bible stories. This was the Bible story last Sunday. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Last week, Pastor Josh Tanner used this story to start a series called The Promise, leading up to Christmas Day. And one theme of the series is that God is sovereign. It means that he's the king, the absolute ruler of everything. He's on the throne, the Bible says. He's in control. If you really know and believe that God is sovereign, he's in control, it gives you perspective about your life. Like the way Josh said, it was great. Perspective. I'm valuable, but I'm not God. Really good. Really balanced. That's right. Knowing and trusting that God is in control increases your faith and your trust in God. It does. You don't worry so much. Josh said, sometimes we can't see God's control till later. Anybody else? That's kind of the way it works for me. While I'm in something, I'm reminding myself. He's in control. He's sovereign. Stop worrying, Rick. Pray more. Worry less. And then when it's beyond me, when it's in the rearview mirror, I look back and say, you did it again. There wasn't a day you let me fall. There wasn't a day you weren't by my side. All of my life, you've been faithful. All of my life, I'll worship you. That's how it is. So we hope this series gives that perspective to you. Here's a verse about God's sovereignty. Ephesians 1.11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And notice it says the plan, not the plans. You might say God has many plans, but really there's only always been one. The message paraphrase says, the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. I love that. God didn't have a whole series of plans. Some people seem to think that, like this. I'll make Adam and Eve. It's good for a while. Whoops, that didn't work. I'll try something else. Noah and the ark, restart. Uh-oh, problems. I'll try something else. Here's a special guy, Abraham. We'll start with him, make a nation. Uh-oh more problems. Okay, I'll send my law. Write it down through Moses. Uh-oh, lots of problems. That didn't work either. Okay, I'll try this. I'll send Jesus. That's exactly not how it is for him. He has one plan. And he makes everything fit his plan, which is so awesome. That's why it's a real accomplishment. Everything that happens is not God's will, but everything that happens, God makes fit into his will. Isn't he awesome? That he can do that. That's sovereignty too. History. God's written history. Somebody said history is his story. Get it? I like that. And all these Bible stories are examples of all of this. And God's sovereignty. We have a picture of Abraham and Isaac, the story from last week. There they are. Some artist painted that. Josh used this story. It happened 4,000 years ago. So many details in this story pointed to the plan. And the plan, of course, is Jesus. He always was, always has been God's plan. 
So there's the boy carrying the wood up the hill. Like we heard, just like our Jesus carried the cross up the hill, Calvary. And there's the father with the broken heart, knowing what has to happen up there, just like God the Father in heaven, with a broken heart offering his son for you and me. And the boy said, where's the lamb? There's the wood, there's the fire, where's the lamb? He knows how this goes. Abraham says God himself will provide the lamb. Now you know the story. God did provide a lamb, a ram caught in a bush. And Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord provides. Kind of like this, Jehovah Jireh, whoo! <laughs> but you know what Abraham said was prophetic? God himself will provide a lamb. There's an ultimate lamb that Abraham saw by faith, the Bible says. And that's our story today. Today's story happened 600 years after this one, after the story of Abraham and Isaac. Isaac, who did not die, praise the Lord, <laughs> grew up, got married and had a son named Jacob, who grew up and got married and had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel. Went down into slavery in Egypt for over 400 years was terrible. They cried out to God for mercy, and God sent them a deliverer, Moses, the prophet. So God's about to rescue them from slavery, and he sent nine miraculous plagues on Egypt. Awesome. Destroyed the religion of Egypt, all their gods. And God was about to do one more, the tenth plague, one more miracle that would lead to his greatest act of salvation in the Old Testament called the Exodus. So our story today is in the book of Exodus, chapter 12 going to read this passage. Follow along with me. The Lord said to Moses in Egypt, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. You may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood Put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt. I grew up on the King James Version. With your loins girded, it says. I always love that. Your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Get it? No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt. There was not a house without someone dead. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go. Worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said, and go. And also, bless me. That's the story of the Passover, and the Passover lamb. And that lamb was just the first of thousands and thousands of innocent animals, sheep and lambs and goats and bulls, 
that God commanded in the law to be sacrificed over and over again by Israel to cover their sin. And every sacrifice was a picture and a prophecy and a promise. Every Passover feast, year after year, all those centuries observing the Passover, they were looking back, remembering the Exodus. They knew that, but they didn't know they were also looking forward to someone who is coming, the ultimate Passover lamb. And during all those centuries, the prophets of Israel, once in a while, God would show them. It's like they were caught up and saw things the way God sees things. And they saw someone coming. They saw a man. They saw someone suffering. They saw a man who was like a lamb. Like this prophecy here in Isaiah 53, that great prophet. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. They were seeing someone, a man who was like a lamb. And then after all those centuries, at just the right time, on the very first Christmas, God gave us his son, Jesus. Whatever they tell you, that's what Christmas really is all about. It's about Jesus. Like it says in the most famous words in the Bible, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. That's why Christians love Christmas so much. And another man said it this way, Galatians 4, 4. When the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. Praise God. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. No, that nursery rhyme is not really about Jesus, but it is today. <laughs> We think about that precious baby boy in the manger. But here comes a very serious thought. You know, Christmas is a time of joy. We love it. But in the middle of it all, there's this truth. That precious baby boy, that little lamb, was born to die. We have a picture. It's taken from that movie called The Nativity. It shows Joseph and baby Jesus and Mary. And there they are on the way to Bethlehem, but they're also on the way to the cross. Bethlehem led to Calvary. It was just the first step. Christmas Day was the first step to Good Friday. Wow. My favorite Christmas hymn, Christmas Carol, it means songs of worship, is what child is this? I won't try to sing it. I'm not a good singer, but I love these words. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Nails, spear will pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. At some time in his life, he must have realized this. As he grew, we don't know when it happened, he understood, oh, this is why I was born. This is why I'm here. I'm a man who's like a lamb. I was born to die. I'm a sacrifice. And he said so. Later in the Gospel of Mark, one time, chapter 10, even the Son of Man did not come, he said, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He knew that. That's why he came. So he did grow up. About 30 years old, he's about ready to start his public ministry. He came to this man named John the Baptist, a radical prophet, baptizing people in the Jordan River. This was going to be the inauguration of Jesus' three and a half years. And so we have this awesome story in John chapter 1 where John said, look, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. There he is. John said it prophetically. Behold the Lamb of God. The message paraphrase says, here he is, God's Passover Lamb. Singular, the Lamb of God, the only one, the final one, the ultimate one. I'm so glad. No longer do we have to kill those precious animals over and over and over again. He is the Lamb of God. That started the three and a half years of ministry, his teaching and all the miracles and all the rest. And every year the Gospels say, like a good Jewish man, they all celebrated the Passover feast together. And the last one was that time in the city of Jerusalem. And you know how it was. He took the Passover feast and he created a new feast we call the Lord's Supper to remember him and his sacrifice, God's greatest act of salvation ever, Old Testament, New Testament ever, Jesus on the cross. So here it is in Luke 22. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And it goes on. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Don't look at the lamb on the table. Look at me. He's saying, it's me. This feast is fulfilled today, tomorrow. He knew it. He was there to fulfill the Passover feast. He was there to be God's lamb. We did it today. We ate the bread and drank the cup today. No lamb out here. No bitter herbs and unleavened bread. Not exactly. Now we're talking about the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Sinless, perfect body of Christ. Broken for our salvation and our healing. Sinless, perfect blood of Christ. Poured out in love to forgive our sin, to write this new covenant. And every time we do it, we're looking back to the cross. But also we know now we're looking ahead. Because the man said we show the Lord's death. What? Until he comes. He's coming again. And the very next day, I got a picture of that too, right there they are, reclining at the table. He said, don't look at the lamb anymore. Look at this lamb. I'm the lamb. My body, my blood. The next day he did suffer and die on the cross as our ultimate Passover sacrifice. And the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Here it is. For Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. How? How was Jesus the Passover lamb? There's so many ways, there's so many details going way back to the first Passover that we see now in Jesus in the New Testament. I'm going to give you six of them now. It'll go fast. Just watch. Here we go. Ways that Jesus is the Passover lamb. Number one, the Passover lamb was chosen by the father for his family. We read that. Each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for every house. How does that apply to Jesus? Simple. God the father in heaven Way back in time past, he chose Jesus the Son to be the Passover lamb for his family. The whole great family of God. Wow. And the Bible even says that. It calls Jesus this, Revelation 13, 8. He is the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Again, Jesus always was God's choice. Jesus always was God's plan. The Father chose him for the family. Aren't you glad? Amen. Number two, the Passover lamb was kept for four days. You notice that? Choose the lamb and then keep the lamb for four days. On the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a lamb. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month. 
Wow. Who's never been around lambs here? Any shepherds here? Not too many shepherds in Alaska. You go to the petting zoo, little cute baby goats, little cute. I got a picture of one. Look at that. Everybody say, ah. God says, take that little precious baby boy lamb and bring him into your house for four days and take care of him, he says, like a pet. The kids are loving this. This is great. That little sweet thing gets to sleep in my bed tonight. <laughs> but then after four days, slaughter that lamb at twilight. And the kids are saying, where's the lamb? Right here on the table. We're going to eat him. What? And God was trying to say something. We're talking about sacrifice here. He wanted them all to know it. Even the children. Later on it says, when your children ask you, what does all this mean? Tell them, God delivered us. That's part of it too. Well, I was taught this, that from the time of Adam till the cross of Christ was about 4,000 years. So God the Father chose the lamb for the family and kept him for four of God's 1,000-year days until the time was right and Jesus came and died on the cross for us. How about that? Number three, you saw this. We read it. The Passover lamb had to be perfect, a perfect male, he said. No defect, no spots, no flaws. The animal you choose must be without defect. Mary had a little lamb. His fleece was white as snow. Don't you love Jesus? Isn't he awesome? Always loved him since I was little, my whole life. I'm so proud to follow Jesus. Never feel embarrassed about saying that. Jesus, he's the one. He's my hero, my idol. Everything about his life, so perfect shining, even now. And I believe everything he taught, and I believe everything he did, and I believe who he was, all that. He's great. The only sinless, perfect human life ever. The sinless, perfect Lamb of God for us. And this is how it works. Because he was the sinless one, he didn't have to die for his own sins. He had none. And it qualifies him to die for all of us, to take our sins away. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. What? Not just taking sin on him, but becoming sin. The holy one, the perfect one, the lamb. And here's another miracle, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What? He became as sinful as us so we could become as holy as him. So awesome. And I think it's Peter, right, who said it in 1 Peter 1.18. You know, it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That's right. New Living Translation says it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Number four, there was no yeast during the Passover. Notice that detail? Interesting. Bread made without yeast. In fact, that day began a seven-day feast called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The Israelites were told, get all the leaven out of your house. In fact, they made it kind of a game for the children. They would hide little packets of leaven and say, go look, go find it. And they would find the leaven and get it out of the house during that feast. Flat bread, they now call it matzah bread. That's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What's this all about? Well, leaven or yeast became a Bible picture of sin. How is leaven like sin? Lots of ways, really. Dolores buys these little packets. Yeast, 
you know what? It's alive. Inside the little packet is life. So she mixes up this dough to make cinnamon rolls. She puts that leaven in there somehow. The next day, they're bigger. What happened? That living thing, in an invisible way, affected the whole thing. You get it? Leaven is like sin. It's alive in a way. It's very real. It's kind of invisible, very influential. So now it becomes a picture. Get rid of the leaven. Get rid of the yeast. And for us, that means get rid of the sin by God's grace. So the whole verse in 1 Corinthians 5 says this. Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch, you and me and all of us, as you really are for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us. It just makes sense. He came because of sin. He became sin for us. He came to save us from sin. Our response, it's only reasonable, is to say, yes, Lord, thank you. I'm looking for the yeast. I'm looking for the leaven. Get it out of my life. That's why you died. Number five. Did you notice this one? Oh, maybe not. Here it is. Exodus 12, 46. Do not break any of the bones. What? The little lamb, when they slaughtered him to eat him on the Passover feast, they were told, don't break the bones. What's that about? Here's what it's about. We have a picture of the crosses. When he died on the cross, there were three crosses. And the way it works in crucifixion, this is kind of graphic, but you died of drowning, actually. You suffocated because you couldn't breathe. That's what finally killed people on the cross. To breathe, they would push up to take a breath. It was hard to speak, hard to breathe. So this time, the next day was Sabbath. So they wanted to get them off the cross. The way they would do it is break the legs of the people on the crosses. They would die right away. They couldn't breathe anymore. So they came to the guy on the left, broke his legs, gone. The guy on the right broke his legs, he was gone. But the Gospel of John, chapter 19, I think we have that. When they came to Jesus and found he was already dead, they did not break his legs. And to be sure, the man took the spear and ran it up into his heart, and out came blood and water. And then it says this, these things happened so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. Way back to the Passover lamb. That was him on the cross, that detail. Not one of his bones broken. Jesus had no control over that. He was gone. That Roman soldier had no idea. He's a Gentile just doing his job, execution. He fulfilled a prophecy of hundreds of years past. Wow. Number six, and most of all, the blood of the Passover lamb protected them from death that night and delivered them from slavery all in one night. Exodus 12, again, the blood of the Passover lamb. I read that. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you. And the next verse says, the very next day, no, the very, very day the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They left that night. That's why their loins were girded up. We're going tonight. And it looked like this. Here's a picture of the blood on the door. Again, kind of graphic, but this is how it was. That precious little lamb, four days in the home, cut his throat, captured the blood in a bowl. They would capture it. And then they would take a bush called a hyssop, like a paintbrush, and go outside, put it across the door, up and down the sides. Wow. And it was very specific. Each man, each home, each family, each door. And if you were in that house behind that door, you were okay. Wow. 
That's how it was. His blood on the door saved them. Out of bondage, away from death. And now we have New Testament ways of saying it. Ephesians chapter 1. In him we have redemption. That means we're ransomed. We're set free through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. And Revelation says, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Aren't you glad? Set free because you can't see it. But on the door right here, across the top and down the sides, is the blood of that precious lamb. Thank you, God. Jesus, the answer to Isaac's question, where is the lamb? Jesus, what Abraham really meant when he said God himself will provide the lamb. Yes, he did. Jesus, fulfillment of that Passover lamb and all those sacrifices forever, once and for all, the Bible says. Jesus, the lamb the prophets saw, the man who was like a lamb. In all these ways and more, Jesus is our Passover lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Come back next Sunday, December 17th. Pastor Josh Tanner will keep this series going forward, The Promise, leading up to Christmas. How does all this apply to you and me? You know, part of the command was, if you have a small house, share the lamb with your neighbor. Did you see that? Okay, listen, right now, I want to share the lamb with you, my neighbor. It comes down to each one of us, each family, each door, each person. Very specific. Jesus came on Christmas to die for you. Is Jesus your Passover lamb? Do you know him this way? Are you inside the house with the Father today? Does his blood cover you? Like the psalmist said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm staying in here. Thank you, God. In a few moments, we're going to pray a prayer. We'll pray it all together. And if you say these words and mean them from your heart, that's what you got to do today. The blood has been shed. No more blood today. Thank God. He did it once and for all. But the way you make it specific is by saying words like that and meaning them and, and giving your life to him and coming in the door and coming in the house and being with the Father and the family. We'll do that in a moment. And most of us here, I know, most of us already have done this many times, sure. Most of us, you're like me. You know Jesus as your Passover lamb. My brothers, my sisters, God is sovereign. Whatever you're going through this December, he's on the throne, even the details. Don't worry, trust him, he's in control. And yeah, by God's grace, let's get the leaven out, get the yeast out of our lives of sin. So we become more and more like him, the one who is without defect. We become the bride of Christ without spot or blemish, the Bible says. Wow. Today I want this to be an act of worship. Thank God. God kept his promise and gave us Jesus, the Passover lamb. Thank God we're inside the Father's house and covered by Jesus' blood. Thank God we've been protected from death. He passed over us, yay, and we're delivered from the slavery to sin. Let's worship God. At Christmas time and all the time for Jesus, the Passover lamb. Do you know this? Even in heaven, in eternity and forever, we will always worship Jesus as the lamb of God. So here's the vision in Revelation 5. I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. Jesus at the center of everything. The center of the throne, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, the thousands and thousands of angels. And they're all worshiping him. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who is slain 
to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then it says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, all the whales came up out of the water saying, worthy is the Lamb. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. How about right now? If you would, please, everyone, just close your eyes. I'll lead us in a prayer. We can all say this one together. I do every time we do it. Follow after me now. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Lamb of God. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for your blood that sets me free. Today I choose you. I'm inside the house with you. I'm behind that door with you. I'm with the family and you, Father, in the house today. And I'll stay forever. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Thank you, Lord, for giving me life. I worship you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.